Happy July here at the Ham Palace uh, Studio Edition. Um, I realize I'm opening. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm missing the opening music. Uh, I'm just, I'm recording directly into the mic here, and uh, I don't have all those bells and whistles with me. But hey, it's July. This is long overdue. Uh, I got to catch up with my uh, output here. And uh, what what better time to go into that um, by uh, talking about suicide? Let's just... <laughs> you know, it's been a, a couple months or close to it, and that I want to discuss this. Let's go right into it. Um, Anthony Bourdain. And I'm going to cover deaths as well that I didn't get a chance to cover on on my uh, Facebook wall, but uh, we had some important deaths, I think. Um, Anthony Bourdain. Um, the, I watched the show. Um, I was never huge into the show, but I was I was a casual fan, and I always always appreciated him traveling. Um. Now him, him uh, killing himself, it um, comes at a huge uh, shock to the culture and to everybody that watched the show that seemed to get a good outline of his personality. Um, yeah, the guy had been through some uh, addiction years. and uh, But, uh, you know, and he had a top show, top-rated show. Um, he got to travel all over the world. And he had a killer girlfriend, uh, Asia Argento. Um, you know, it, it's easy to think that, hey, you know, something happened. Maybe there's a conspiracy. Maybe somebody tried to kill him or, or and made it look like a suicide, but... I think there would have been some things getting out a little bit more if that was the case. But the thing is, that's a huge, that's a huge F you. It seems like, it feels like a big F you to the culture, to everybody um, that would watch this guy. And he was pretty, pretty mainstream. Um, I think we have a responsibility on uh, this world sometimes to to hang in there uh, to not to not go out um, like that because simply because of what that leaves behind to the rest of the family and friends you know um You know, life can get pretty tough. That's for sure. I've definitely had my share of tough times, and still, still am going through tough times. But um, I've learned over the years, and uh, I guess we're transitioning into life lessons. Um, I've learned over the years that you get more out of life if you look at the glass half full as opposed to half empty. 
you're more optimistic. And yeah, okay, you're not as cautious. You do have to have some uh, reasonable pessimism. But I think really it's all balance. I think you're probably better off being an optimist because if you look at your life and future as potential, unlimited potential, and the constant uh, reshaping every day you have another chance to be better um, than what you were the day before or you have a chance to, to learn more. Um, it's just we have a lot of potential to do good and to leave a legacy in this world. Um, and, and going out by suicide it's it's such a bad message. It's such a bad message to everything. I mean, there's so much chaos and, and uh, terrible negativity and uh, um, materialism, uh, surface-level stuff going on on this earth that for that to happen is such a, a slap in the face after especially nothing had led us to uh, seeing him go down that road. Um, it's just so weird, you know? Um, you know, I, I could talk about some other celebrity suicides, like, uh, uh, you know, um, what's his name? Um, um, shoot, I can't think of it now. But, uh, oh, Michael Hudgens from NXS. Um, you know, and that was, that was a weird one. That was, like, out of nowhere. But I think that might have been an accident, accidental thing. Um, but man, that he was an awesome lead singer, and uh, to an awesome band. And when somebody does that, that has a lot of talent. Um, you, you really you're left to think. Well, come on, you have so much to give the world. Why not give as much as as you can, and as much love and and uh, and goodness that you can. Um, if you're not, you know, it's tough. It's like if you're not financially struggling, I just don't, I don't, I don't get it. You know, um, I, from that angle, I can see if someone has a crappy home life they can't get out of, um, there seems no escape from a situation. And that's why I can I can see the viewpoint of a lot of teenagers going through high school and uh, taking their lives because it's too much. You know, that whole system is too much, and I think that needs to change. Um, because it's just just too much emphasis on uh, look. You gotta get good grades. You gotta. Um, 
you know, you got to get a date for the prom and all that. It's just so much unbelievable pressure and so much emphasis is put on everything. You know, you got to do good in, in the, on the football team. You got to score some points. And, and you get out of high school and, uh, yeah, and most of the time, if you're not a doctor or a lawyer or an engineer, that was a whole lot of bullshit for, for nothing, <laughs> for very little, for very little, for some basic arithmetic, uh, English, uh, writing skills, and uh, a little bit of history. You know, uh, there's just way, way too much emphasis and pressure on, on that whole system there. And when you get out, it's just a, a quagmire of uh, the 9 to 5, the 40-hour work week plus. And, and you think, this is all for this? That, was, that uh, 15 years of education through the system was for this? And it's just like, what the... You have teenagers killing themselves because of the pressures of high school and the home life during that time. And, and that's all for that? It's complete lunacy. Um, David Carradine uh, is another one like what went out the same style that David Hutch, Hutch, uh, Hutchins went in. Um, or Michael Hutchins went out. That's another one. A talented guy. He just finished Kill Bill, both of the movies. And, uh, yeah. He, uh, uh, he hangs himself. Um, now, yeah, it's just, uh, you know, both of them, you know, whatever the story was, you know, I, I read stories that they're hanging themselves because they, you know, they get a better uh, sexual pleasure out of doing it or whatever. Um, you know, you can look up those articles. I'm not going to go into that that much. You know, maybe, maybe it was that, maybe it wasn't. But, again, you have so much talent. You have so much time. And it's not like these people are, like, fighting heavy cancer or a, a disease. Um, now, Tony Scott, I've talked about on here before. He, he seemed uh, an amazing career, great legacy. You know, I, in a way, I, I can get where he was coming from when he got a prognosis saying that, okay, you don't have that much time left. And he kind of took it upon himself to be like, well, I'm going to, I don't want to go out a certain way. That That's, I, you know, I, I'm not saying that you should do that, but that's, you know, I, I kind of, I get, uh, get it a little bit, but at the same time, it's like, you don't know what tomorrow's going to hold. You could get cured the next day. There could be some miracle th drug that comes out. Or your body, you know, says, well, it, it's recovered for some reason. We Or we had the wrong prognosis. Um, this is, you know, this is one of the reasons why, you know, um, the, the, these kind of thoughts that go through our head and that I've gotten uh, 
deep into meditation and prayer. Um, uh, you know, I, I've really been curious about, um, you know, to the Buddhist monks, you know, over the years, especially after watching uh, this show called Stanley's Superheroes about, and one of them, one of the, uh, uh, one of the, the guys that gets tracked down is a Buddhist monk. And he can break metal with his head. And uh, there's definitely, I've always thought there's got to be something to it. Uh, a religion or a practice where they can do, when these monks can go on shows and do extraordinary things with their bodies. It's the ultimate manifest, manifestation of mind over body. Um, you know, over the years, I've had a lot of uh, anger, and it always seems to, and it took the longest time for me to think, you know, is all this, has all this come from an outside source, all the, uh, the bad luck and uh, struggle? Is it coming from out there somewhere? But it's taken me the longest time to realize, really, and it is a cliche, and that might have been one of the reasons why I rejected it for so long, that all of our problems mostly come from our own minds. And if we could shut that mind up for a little bit each day, we come closer to mastering our lives because just about everything, every problem you face is how you take it and how you uh, react to it. Um, that's the power of the situation, you know. You know, there's a great story. I always say that when I was in sales, I was working outside the store and, uh, you know, had a bunch of papers, you know, on, on the shelf there. And I uh, was working outside and this wind, this wind, there's a bad wind tunnel outside this, this uh, store and it just blew all these papers right over, right over the road there. And, um... <laughs> A lot of these were kind of important papers, you know, a lot of them were blanks, uh, but it was so, it's such an over-the-top thing, it's like God himself had like picked up the papers and threw them across the street and wanted to see my reaction, and I laughed, I laughed so hard because I could get angry, but what's the point, it's like, that's such an over-the-top cartoony thing to happen to somebody. So I, cho I chose to just laugh it off. And I'm learning to do that more and more with everything. And every time I'm about to get angry, I'll start laughing as your reaction to it. You know? And, uh... Yeah, that's what I'm trying to do these... You know, a lot more now. Because really, it's our emotions. How our emotions can react it. And that calm... That calmness, we have to be the calm sea, you know, in our, in our own head. And if you can do that and, uh, and observe this, I always like to use the metaphor of the hamster wheel. Uh, observe the wheel of thought in your head and know that these are patterns. 
and that you are not your thoughts, that's amazing. Then you have the infinity gauntlet. Then you can control um, aspects of, of your reality. Um, speaking of the infinity gauntlet, um, I've you know it's it's been a long time since I've talked about comics. I guess this is a great segue. Um, get away from our suicide and and, and deaths. Uh, yeah, I've been reading uh, the Infinity Gauntlet. I got downloaded the graphic novel on my Kindle because I don't have much room for comics anymore. Unfortunately, I bought so many of them. Um, illustrated by George the Great, George Perez, and and Ron Lim, and uh, there's a there's a lot of Ron Lim in it. But there are some good George Perez pages that are just solid. There's a lot of cool things that does he does with the titles of each comic that he you know he uses. Uh, Thanos is on like out out in, the, in space and he's kind of got this white brick palace in the middle of space, kind of floating there, and he'll use the bricks from that palace to put you know make the title out of it. There's a lot of cool things going on. Um really neat, I was really, it was a, t it was page turner, you know, I just, there was not one issue where I was like, man, I'm bored, or where is this going, it had such a great momentum from the beginning to the end of, you know, Thanos, you know, just getting the, uh, the gauntlet, and just, you know, just, uh, having fun with the superheroes, as he takes them on one by one, and then he has to take on um, concepts. Mostly, they're concepts. Um, the concept of the uh, the embodiment of time, and the embodiment of um, hate and love, and uh, the embodiment. The ultimate one is the embodiment of eternity, which eternity is is visualized as um, this man and you can see space it's an out he's a silhouette and inside the silhouette is space and stars and everything and uh, but he can even can Thanos can even control that because he has the time uh, stone and he's got the reality stone which is pretty much once once you get time or reality, you know, power and everything, it's like, yeah, really what you want is time and reality, especially reality. Then you can, you can really screw, you can really uh, fuck some people up there. Um. <laughs> um, the thing is, it's like, I don't, I don't know that much backstory about how the stones are created or why, but you would think, why do they have these stones just floating around and, uh, you know, I'll have to look into that a bit more. It just seems like kind of careless if if you're an entity that is pretty much the entire existence of space and uh, infinity. That's just, let's just leave these things floating around for uh, somebody to get to, uh, you know, spank you really hard with them. Okay. <laughs> There's a cool little character arc with Thanos toward at the end um that i that i quite like i won't get, go into it but um very neat stuff um well done and the, i was surprised how much the movie sticks to the comic 
Um, granted that it can't use a lot of like the the characters from the comic, like uh, Silver Surfer. Um, actually, the Hulk, the Hulk takes Silver Surfer's place, um, or Bruce Banner does in the movie. But I was surprised how much the movie sticks pretty close. There are a few things that they can't do, and it's understandable. But um, it's pretty neat. I have to give my hand, you know, I have to give a hand to the, the screenwriters of, of, the, of Infinity War. Um, they're pretty damn close thematic-wise. The only thing that's different is that in the comic, Thanos is doing everything pretty much for to win the affections of death, uh, which is female uh, woman in this. Um, and then... Yeah, and in the movie, it's more about, well, he's trying to save the universe by killing half the organisms in it and making way, you know, so there's more, sp you know, food and resources for for everyone. Um, but I kind of like the, the, the crazy, I'm doing it for to impress this chick. <laughs> That's so batshit insane and, and understandable in a, in a crazy, crazy way. Um... So there you go, uh, Infinity Gauntlet. It's pretty much uh, 10 out of 10, uh, the comic. Fantastic. I gave the movie like a 9 out of 10. Um, I also took the opportunity. There was, good, there was a good sale going on, and I got Hellboy, uh, Strange Places, graphic novel. Um those are, I think it's a book, uh, it's got about three different uh, collections of s stories in it. Um, love reading Hellboy. I love reading it on Kindle. I love reading it in comic book form. To, you know, um, both formats are great. The thing that's cool about the Kindle is that you can read these comics panel by panel without spoiling and seeing the next panel. And then it cuts back, and you can see the whole page as it stands and the composition of it. I like that. Uh, I never thought I'd get into reading comics on a Kindle, but it's come down to it where I have so many damn, damn comics now, it's like I have to get rid of some more before I, I get some. some. So, And, and the, the prospects of, of being a collector is just not what it used to be. You know, you have to really... Uh, you really got to get on eBay, and I'm trying to get more on eBay. I'm I'm trying to research about selling things on eBay a little bit more these days, but it it is a bit a bit of a of the uh, of a learning curve. Um, strange places. He I think the first one he goes down and the into the ocean, and he encounters um, mermaids, and Hellboy. Uh, he gets a nail, he puts a nail into his horn, or something happens, he has to get it out. Yeah, somebody uh, hammers a nail into his horn, and so he's, he's stuck down there in the, in the ocean, and he has to get someone to get it out, and he has to fight like the mother of these mermaids. And uh, <laughs> the mother of the mermaids, she's, she's a real nasty thing, and... Uh, and the, the, the daughter 
mermaid falls kind of falls in love with Hellboy a little bit, or at least sympathizes and tries to rescue him. And uh, he ends up getting out of that scenario. And uh, a lot of the stories are, you know, they're mythical and they're based on uh, myths, Greek. Uh, I think the, he based some of his stuff on Hans Christian Andersen fairy tales, which is awesome. Um, the the dialogue and the and the setups are, are pretty simple. You can chew through the comics quick because the dialogue isn't really long or anything like that. It's just, it's mostly visuals, shadow, uh, funny little lines that Hellboy says, and and some action, uh, punching action or or stabbing or <laughs> which you know I like it. I like that visual stuff. You know that's what it really is. Um, uh, there's always there's usually a guy that is in human form, and then he has to transform. He transforms into some kind of entity uh, based on a, a myth or a werewolf or a creature, uh, a tentacle creature. Uh, there's a lot of H.P. Lovecraft uh, influence. Um, but uh, I, I liked it. I, it was a good deal. I got it, and it's just the character Hellboy is such a f endearing, endearing, funny, uh, tough, tough guy, you know. And I'm always up for for a graphic novel of Hellboy. Good stuff. I, he based one of the stories off of a uh, what was it? Uh, a story, I, I can't remember the author's name, but it was like a story, a book from 1912 or something like that. And uh, it's about an island where uh, fungus and, and uh, uh, magical plants and creatures take over or something like that. And so he'll read a book and he'll get an idea for his, his comic that way. And uh, that's pretty cool. So he'll go back... And he'll read something, and he'll and he'll incorporate it into his his story and his visuals. Um, I'm on a similar path with Rage right now. My character Rage, um, where he's a wandering Ronin and uh, a soldier without without a cause, and uh, he's questioning him, uh, himself and his existence for the first time in many years. Um, being in a strange land with strange people and strange uh, creatures. And uh, so there's a lot of opportunity there. Um, granted, if I can make use of my time and and, and, uh, and write and draw quickly enough, I can get, you know, at least ten issues out of this whole thing. Um, so, yeah, Hellboy's definitely an influence uh, for me right now. Um... Rage has always kind of been influenced by uh, Wolverine. He's a mixture of kind of Wolverine and Conan. Um, also, he, his does his look, and it's a little secret here. Shouldn't be saying this, but his look and inspiration came to me, or the idea for him came to me through a game of Altered Beast uh, by the Sega Genesis. Um, there's a character that you know you're human. You if you if you uh, get a certain orb, a power orb, you can transform into a, a were creature. One of the first level, you can turn into werewolf. The second level, uh, you can turn into a um, 
I think the second level, yeah, is a dragon. And the third level, you can turn into a, a bear, a, a bear man. And I always liked the idea of, of a bear man. And uh, at first, uh, it was about a guy who, um, he, uh, well, he gets some kind of a, of a bear hair, and he puts it in a, like a scanner device. And uh, the computer's looking at the DNA of a bear, and lightning hits the uh, computer, and he turns into rage. That was an, one interpretation in a comic I was drawing a long time ago, which I don't think I have that anymore. It, maybe it's somewhere. But it's like two or three pages. <laughs> I'm glad I kind of changed that. I made Rage more of a, of, a, of an alien from another planet, uh, possibly another dimension, or a uh, deep realm in space. Um, so, yeah. So there it is. There's my reviews of Strange Places. It's pretty simple. Uh, I'm looking at my notes. Oh, my notes right here. Yeah, I, I kind of I hit all my points. I, I guess the, uh, to, to finish this off with some death, why not? Uh, Stephen Hawking passed away, and that was huge. That's a big deal. I didn't, even, I didn't get a chance to say rest in peace, Stephen Hawking. Here's my chance. Um, what an amazing life that guy had, but a tough, brutal, uh, physical life that, towards you know, the end there. I'm like, man... He got he got a bad break, um, barely being barely able to move and oh yeah yeah, but the what he was able to do with his life was amazing, and the con uh, contribution he made to science and mankind and will always have and I mean that's an example of like well he probably could have taken his own life he but he he didn't. He didn't, which is amazing. I mean, he, I mean, considering everything he went through, he he stood his ground and he went. He got through it, and uh, that's as Kevin Smith was, would say. It's a humongous bucket of win. Um, that, yeah, that that's really amazing. That guy. What an amazing example of what you can do with your life. Even though you have great physical limitations, you can still contribute something. Uh, it's incredible. Um, Lee Ermey. Our Lee Ermey also died. A drill sergeant from Full Metal Jacket. I remember watching that movie for the first time, I think, when I was... I don't know, 17, 16, maybe younger, and I was just, you know, Stanley Kubrick movies have such a heaviness to them, and they're masterfully done, and, and composed shots, and really well thought out, so you really get a sense of, of watching a serious, grown-up movie, which you don't see a lot of these days. <laughs> you don't see a lot of grown-up stuff, but that that one was, uh, this had some good lines, like, uh, I realize I am in a world of shit. I realize that now. I thought that was a good line. 
<laughs> there was just there's a character change a little bit. There was a trauma that the uh, Matthew Modine's character had gone through, which is amazing. And uh, but yeah, Arlie Ermey, amazing drill sergeant. He really put into the minds of people probably getting ready to go into the surface of what a drill sergeant was. Uh, for me, you know, before I went in, I definitely had that image. Um, but I was thankful I didn't get uh, beat up or by the drill sergeant, which was something they, I guess they changed down the road. That, you, that they, they can't, uh, or at least they can't beat you up <laughs> physically. Although they could, they can chew you out really bad and embarrass you and uh, screw up your locker and, and do all sorts of things. But thank God they can't beat you up. But uh, anyway, and he, he had some awesome, there's a cool show called Mail Call, which I watch on the History Channel. Um, really fun stuff about, uh, I think, weapons and uh, the Army over the years. And just so, that was a cool show. Um, and I always appreciated his, his little, his roles in movies throughout the years. Um, yeah, I remember him in, from Willard. I'm, I'm long overdue to watch that one again. Um, uh, I'm trying to think. Well, whenever I'd see him in other movies, I thought it was really cool. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, one of the funny last things I heard him in was, uh, which surprised me, it was X-Men Last Stand. And uh, he was... <laughs> Well, voice you don't you don't see him in the movie, but he's a voiceover, and he tells everybody, all oh, the soldiers, to get plastic guns to take on Magneto, and I thought that was really awesome that they they used his voice for that. <laughs> I thought that was oh yeah, I thought that was cool. You know, people give Last Stand a lot of shit. Um, in it, okay, it maybe killed off one too many characters, but I kind I, I still kind of like Last Stand. I I think it's. It's good. It's is it a little underwhelming with the Phoenix story? Well, yeah, it is. I guess I guess so. But I still thought that was an entertaining sequel, and well shot and everything. Um, but uh, yeah, they're all dead, bub. That was my my line after after that one. Um, and I I think the the new X Men movies are kind of missing the old the older cast had a kind of synergy there that I, was pretty good. And it's like, it's kind of a tough one with the new younger cast. They're good, but they're not quite as good as the original team. So, I don't know. I don't know about the next X-Men. I, uh, you know, I, Apocalypse, they really sc they screwed that one up. But it, it had some good moments to keep you watching, but... I think that was the weakest of them all. Um, so the next X-Men has to do a lot better. Um, and after this, I think they should kind of, you know, kind of end the, the Phoenix storyline for a long time. Just don't bring it back. Because <laughs> it's, it's been done. This is the tw second time the Phoenix storyline is, is being done. And, uh, you know, they gotta, they're trying to do it justice, but I don't know. Boy, I don't know. Um, we'll see about that. Um, and especially they're going going they're going on without Wolverine, and I like Beast, uh, but I I miss the uh, version of uh, uh, what's his name, 
Frazier, uh, Frazier doing uh, his version of Beast better. Uh, but anyway, I like that character. Um, anyway, I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap this one up. Coming in at 36 minutes, probably one of my longer uh, podcasts here. But I think I went over everything pretty well. Happy July, everyone. Hope everyone had a good fourth. Um, for the first time, I shot off some uh, major fireworks. Uh, $80 worth from my, from my friend uh, Brian. And uh, that was a lot of fun. Um, posted those on my uh, Facebook wall. And, uh, yeah, those are those are some major uh, ones that they're red and yellow and they spread out. And they're the major ones. And uh, put them in mortar shells. But my little show that I brought was a little shitbanger truck. Um, the Big Mudda truck that, that shoots out colored fireworks and it drives forward. It kind of fizzled out. <laughs> it probably because it didn't have. It was on a, a wood board that was about eight feet long, and then it had to drive into the grass. And uh, yeah, that was just okay. That was five bucks, kind of lackluster. And then I. My jumping jacks were probably the best because they, they're colored and everything, but they weren't on cement. You, you really got to do some fireworks like jumping jacks and, and big motor trucks or tanks on the ground, cement, um, for best effect. But uh, my fireworks, regular fireworks, went off pretty good. So, uh, yeah, it was a fun 4th of July. It was fun. All right, folks. Long days. May you have long days. And pleasant. Nights.